Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. must be another edition of filmically perfect on 91.3 wyso i'm nikki dakota joined in the studio today by the nitrate film archivist for the library of congress our man at the library of congress he is the largest frame brain to be found anywhere he is george willeman george welcome good day Also in the studio with us, the storyboard artist to some of the most fabulous films ever made in the last 20 years or so, and exclusively the the storyboard artist for the Coen Brothers for the last 20 years and counting, plus our other fabulous film guy. Uh, It is a great pleasure to welcome J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd. Quiet. I'm meditating over here. (laughs) I want to tell you that uh, I watched this film with my kids and my little girl when she heard this. We started. She said, Mama... The sound is almost making me cry. Well, there's good reason for that. <laughs> because there's a Philip title. <laughs> the title of this movie is Kainoskatsi, which means... Life Out of Balance. Indeed. So your child's out of balance when she's listening to this. Says, don't be, don't be alarmed. Anybody listening to this is going to be out of balance. <laughs> but there's so much more to it than... Uh, it's very than... much like a washing machine with a... You know, the laundry gets packed on one side and it goes, ka-dunk, ka-dunk, ka-dunk. Yeah. An agitator. It's funny you should say machine because there's uh, many notions of sort of um, our, uh, the great shiny machine that we human beings have created. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie we're looking at today is Koyani Scotsi. Is that the proper? Koyana Scotsi is what I have always heard it pronounced yes. as. Koyana But we always like to say it. Kayana Scotsy. It is uh, actually kind of a constructed word um, coming, I want to believe, from the, the Hopi. Hopi language, yes. And, um, and it does sort of... Most of the chants are from the um, Hopi Indians. That's right. And the, the music, of course, movie. done by Philip Glass. This is one of the most... Supposed ro- to say, whenever you do that, he goes... This music is done by Philip Glass, by Philip Glass, by Philip Glass, by Philip Glass. Because <laughs> there's a certain repetition to his work, is there not? <laughs> what well, reminds me of a joke. <laughs> it reminds me of oh, a joke. Yeah. Right? It's that joke. Yeah. Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? 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 Philip Glass. Kyle <laughs> <laughs> 
As we prepare to talk about Kiana Scottsy, let's remind everyone that the movies, the perfect movies that we talk about, do not happen just out of thin air, of a vacuum. They do not just knock on the door and present themselves. Nope. As such, there is a very strict set of rules that govern these movies. And gentlemen, those rules are... Kiana Scottsy creates the world that it exists in. And it wholly sustains <laughs> that world. Regardless of changes in society, Kiana Scottsy retains its meaning and entertainment value. And it will never be placed in any kind of preferential or numerical order. It is perfect within its own scale. <laughs> okay, I think we've milked that one enough. I think we enough. have milked it. There is a certain... Uh, there's a drone, a, a repetitiveness, and a, um, a, a just a tendency to repeat, to go through, go back, rinse, re, re, rinse, lather, repeat, rinse, lather, and that just you can say over that again. and over and over. But the images are far from it. Uh, not at all about repetition, uh, more about sort of the continuous pattern. But uh, but uh, th- this this has no plot. No. Not really. It 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 does and it doesn't. I mean, it depends on who you who you're talking yeah. to, whether it has a plot or not. It def- definitely has a a flow through. There's definitely a progression throughout the movie. I mean, if there was to be a plot, if you wanted to say there was a plot, it starts out in the natural world and then slowly shows how mankind and society quotation mark society has encroached upon that to the point of breaking, and the world. You know, basically goes out of balance. We be, have become so, um, quote, civilized that people are now suffering from it. We have, we have, you, you see pain, you see homelessness, you see you know, just pollution and garbage and, and, and the beauty. And mass the, production and industrialization. Yeah. And- but you're, what you're looking at here is what the filmmaker does is he takes an enormous scale and mashes it down to something that you can see through time-lapse photography and through slow motion to high speed. But it's all, you see these miraculous patterns that we all live by every day. And it's all right before you with the marvelous old uh, cinematic technique of just mechanical work with cameras. Right. And a lot of that, a lot of that, um, Godfrey Reggio is the director of it, and it was a project that he long wanted to make. Um, a group that he he uh, worked with the um, institute. Oh, I'll never remember their name. The Institute for Research and Education. Oh, I know. I Here it is. Institute for Regional Excuse Education. Excuse me. Institute for Regional Education um, is kind of a group that started sort of with a concern over how television was beginning to uh, not on television, but just you know, technology was beginning to, to encroach upon us and take our souls, basically. And in this in this film, he kind of you know brings that out that you know our, our, we are out of control as far as our world is concerned, and that we are tearing our world apart through the the unbridled technology of our lives. And you'll notice the world famous Francis Ford Coppola's name is on the front of this movie, right? Which he I think says presents. Yeah, it's it? it's it's kind of a thing. I don't know how much Coppola actually had to do with it. I think they probably American Zoetrope may have you know lent them some. Some some space to, to or some editing um, um, space to, to work on it, but um, uh, one reason that is on there, I think, was because this is right after Apocalypse Now, shortly after Apocalypse Now, and again, Coppola was a big, big name, shot, man. and this this adds credence to it. This this legitimizes this film by having Francis Ford Coppola's name at 
the beginning. And it's interesting that the two follow-up films, the, there's a, it's actually, this is part of the Kotzi trilogy. Um, the following two films also are presented by major filmmakers. I believe that Paua Kakatsi is presented, I think, again, by by Coppola and Lucas. And the newest one, Nakakatsi, is presented by Steven Soderbergh. So it's kind of a letter of recommendation, if you will. Yes. Which is it's all style, man. Kind of nice because... style. Yeah, in a lot of ways, this movie might not have ever had a chance being so much outside the mold. Right. You know, we, as... Uh, Filmically perfect are out to give you a wide variety and diverse, diverse view of cinema. And this is our continuing uh, pledge to you listeners that we're going to give you <laughs> films that you must at least take a look at from a different perspective than your standard movie. And this thing was made in, uh, they shot it in the early 80s, sometimes the late 70s, some of that footage. And, uh, and you're going to see it. It's a little dated because things, you know, are like the television sets and everything. The cars. But if you sit there and you think about all that's going on and how fast it's going through the screen and how much, perhaps how much gasoline they spent and maybe the days they were shooting this. And this was a long time ago. This is 20, 30 years yeah, ago. Throughout the late 70s, early 80s. And we're still doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's still, uh, if the world was out of balance in 1981, think about how much natural resources we're using now it's it's almost incomprehensible because again he's playing with your scale you know you can only see car people going at, at to real speeds and everything but in this movie he through the use of slow motion and high-speed photography you see patterns of life right and the interesting thing about it is that a lot of times the high-speed photography is used to to slow slow things down so that you can actually view them at other times the uh, time-lapse photography is used to speed things up that move very slowly. So the movement of clouds becomes like rushing water, and water is slowed down so that it looks like flowing glass. And, you know, uh, people rushing down the street in New York are slowed down so far that, that they almost seem, it seems like a dream movements. Um, on the other hand, the other thing he uses a lot are, are will be like juxtapositions of, of elements. Uh, my favorite one, the one that the first time I saw it, I actually, I think I laughed out loud. There is a shot of people during rush hour, probably in New York, I believe, coming out of the subway on escalators. And they're, you know, you see the escalators, and because they're, you know, they, they've got the camera locked down, it's not moving. They're doing it at, at, at a, uh, um, you know, slowed down frame rate. So the people are just rushing up these escalators at, you know, like it 60 miles like, an hour. It almost looks like water, you know. Yeah. It does. So now, it, but you can, still take, you can still, it's the silver lines, the, the, the spaces between the escalators. And they'll do this for a moment. And then they'll cut to a shot at a sausage factory showing weenies <laughs> coming out of yeah, a machine. That's my favorite shot. That looks, uh, basically, oh. they juxtapose, you know, yeah. these people suddenly become so many wieners coming out of a machine. You know, they've totally lost any sort of personality they have, and they're just rushing along just like so much sausage that gets eaten and digested and, and you know, dumped out the other so end. So many sausages that could go around the earth and the moon 550,000 times. And they still keep coming wouldn't, and coming and coming. And you still wouldn't have the right number of buns because That's it's true. always eight hot dogs and ten buns. I don't know why they never, you know, they didn't talk about that in this movie. But they do show Twinkies being made. Twinkies being made. The, the Twinkie, and, and the other thing is, and, and this comes just out of, I don't know where this fits in this whole thing, but it's just something that 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 Reggio seemed to be really interesting is the mundaneness of a lot of the jobs that people are are put into the the Twinkie sorters. 
eight hours a day standing on an assembly line sorting Twinkies, you know, the ones that don't have the white glop squeeze squirting out of them. Can you imagine? And you do see that that's what it is. They're taking the ones that... The, the ones the, that are perfect. The, yeah. Those are the ones but that it, pass. The rest of them... What what happens to those? Who knows? Well, I notice that all of them seem to be rather chunky. Well, they... <laughs> The most, the most disturbing thing about all that is this pattern that people are in. They just, you know, that that's the most consistent part of their life, right? Their and, job doing well, yeah. this, and this well, is not just what they do. But I and mean, it's, it's so repetitive. It's no wonder we which, all end up with like carpal tunnel syndrome. Yeah, it is. It reminds us of the repetition of um, of our daily lives, even if it's just the repetition of the whole daily cycle: going, getting in the car, driving, mm-hmm. taking the same turn and the same ride, stopping at the same coffee, and then returning home the same way. But also of the jobs themselves. Well, you, they say if you go to the ancient Greek ruins and some places you can go where there are steps that are left over and if you examine those steps there's like feet prints footprints in there from indentations mindless and you know years thousands and years and thousands, and thousands people of people going down, over these this is thousands of years of you know go and and this pattern exists in like a concrete form where you can see it and maybe touch it but exemplified is is kind of scotsy you can kind of see what they what they always stand there and tell you about, but you see it on film, you see it in action with these hordes and hordes of human heads just moving at mm-hmm. at like George says really fast, and it looks it's it's kind of if you sit there you know you kind of stare at it, it's it's kind of mind numbing you know uh, the the notion of repetition is so uh, beautifully reflected in the uh, musical works of Philip Glass who provides. Uh, the soundtrack. It does vary from time to time, but I just want to play a little bit here of what the uh, the predominant sound that we hear. Wait, it changes up. sort of feeling like uh i can't take this but you know you know what's really cool is uh, are we on we're on right yes okay yes, we are. what's really cool is that as he alters the time and tempo of this music they slow these people down and uh, the various mm-hmm. actions of the cars you've many times you've seen photographs of all these streaking lights where they've uh, totally overexposed the camera to get these <laughs> he does it in live action well, and, and you see the patterns the car stopping the cars moving is and he slows the tempo down then he speeds it up it's, it's a lot of fun there to is watch. there is a scene uh, speaking of the, the cars there is a scene uh, showing a main street through new york city showing just the traffic patterns as the lights change and rather than music in that section <laughs> they actually put in a large breath so as the lights change it's like oh. and it become again it becomes very rhythmical i mean the rhythm you know the rhythm of life is very prevalent throughout this thing and something i just this is totally I, this just came to me just a moment ago it's amazing the films that we are doing so far in this new series that we're putting together, and, and I do not know where this show is exactly going to fall in this, how many of the films we're reviewing are all of a cyclical nature, from from the film Memento to the Chuck Jones cartoons that we looked at, which are kind of, you know, the kind of, especially One Froggy Evening that has a circular storyline yes. to it. I don't know. This was totally unexpected, but it's, you know. Maybe is it a sign of the times or is it a sign of the film guys? 
Yeah, something Sign like of that. The film guys. Sign of the Film Guys. Yes, we, we've we researched all this ahead of time. Actually. You're listening to Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO, and we're talking about the 1983 film, Kayana Scotsy. Did I say it right? Kayana Scotsy. Kayana Scotsy, but it's actually 1982. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a film like no other. That's you know a lot of stuff in this film. Uh, when you see it, it looks just absolutely brilliant because they shot at Tragic Hour, which most people call <laughs> Magic Hour. But when you're trying to get the shot, it's always Tragic Hour, and they must have went through a ton of film because this high speed photography they had to have rolled out a lot of times on a thousand footer. And, and the let's other review what Tragic Hour is oh. specifically. You know, George, why don't you tell them what. Tragic, tragic hour, hour is, is tragic hour is those wee short hours just before the sun goes down, uh, where the sun actually casts kind of a golden glow on everything. And and for color photography, not so much for black and white, yeah. but for color photography, it gives the most beautiful hues to things. And it's just this, in the fall; it's just so clear. Right. And filmmakers will lay out there and wait for that sun to be just right. Why and is it called tragic, though? Because it's always... there's never a, enough. You know, oh. The sun's going down, and you got to get You got a short amount of time. And, uh, and and in this film, as since we're talking about the photography, one the, the three main people on this, we have, the, of course, the director, Godfrey Reggio, and Philip Glass is a composer, but Ron Frick, the cinematographer, not only shot the film, but developed a lot of the technology that allowed the filmmakers to do the fast and slow motion. Because while we've had fast and slow motion cameras, uh, Frick designed ways of moving these cameras within the shot while they are shooting at high and slow motion and make it not so, it's, you know, it just whips around or it moves too slow. I mean, his the rigs that he developed uh, are, are astonishing. These shots, and you don't even think about it when you're watching it. It's only later on that you go, wait a minute, how, how did, did they, they do that? that? And Frick has continued on in this uh, his, I think his crowning achievement is a film that he did as director himself called Baraka, which we may do later on, which is sort of like Koyana Scotsi in 70 millimeter uh, with a more spiritual theme, more spiritual than, than societal. Uh, an absolutely astonishing film, uh, which has just been put out recently on a new Blu-ray DVD that will just knock your eyes out. Which came out after this one. Yes, it's yeah. from the n- 90s, I believe. Yeah. This is very beautiful to see on the big screen when it came mm-hmm. out. I don't know if that will ever happen again, but uh, boy, it sure was gorgeous when it was on the big screen, man. Yes. I can imagine. You know, and, and again, it starts out with these natural scenes, and many of them are just sweeping either, you know, a, a still camera and watching nature change around, or many that must be in an airplane that are are, are, are flying over these scenes mm-hmm. and these beautiful rolling hills, and you watch the topography and the vegetation change yep. and evolve. And the other thing, there's not so many of these, but they're really amazing. There are certain shots that are like still lifes of people. Yeah. There are shots of just people, and and Reggio will just have the people stand or sit, just dead stock still, looking into the camera. There's a, a famous one of, of these uh, kind of aging uh, Las Vegas waitresses. gals, waitresses. Yeah. Uh, there's another one of a real steely-eyed uh, Air Force pilot standing in front of the very front of his, the nose of his right down the lens too. You know. Yeah, so. and and they, these are really really amazing shots. I mean, I can only only just feel for these people as they get older and watch this movie and they can see themselves. It's just got to be really tough, you know. I mean, I think it would be a great honor. Oh. <laughs> There's, okay, and he makes me. them, most of the time when people stand there and look in the camera like that, they look 
you know, uncomfortable. But yeah. these, these people don't look uncomfortable at all. He's directing them to relax, and they just hold on. You know, they hold right on there. Now, in other times, he will. Um, they will have a camera which looks like it may have been somewhat secluded because they'll catch people just moving along, not knowing that they are being photographed. And there's at least one point where a woman and a, and a man are walking along, and they find that they they discover they are being photographed, and the woman is just aghast by it and she turns away and her husband or the gentleman with her just glares at the, at camera, the camera yeah you know so now, now nowadays it, it would probably be kind of hard to do some of this stuff because you got to get releases on everything nowadays mm -hmm. but back in those days you just went out and shot it uh, it's getting more sticky all the time most of the movies i work on they have a, a special person who just does releases that's all they do like on one movie I worked on, they had to they had found these paintings in a garage sale, and they had to get those paintings, those these terrible, crazy paintings that were made by somebody in the neighborhood, cleared before they could photograph them. Oh, and, and it, it gets more legal all the time, and it's interesting how much stuff they capture in this film. And I'm always wondering if the copyrights have run out on some of the visual images and some of this, some of these things like the advertisements or. Well, the film actually did disappear from sight for many, many years. Um, I mean, it first came out in 82, and I actually purchased first a VHS copy of it, and then <laughs> a, a Laserdisc of it in the early 80s, and then it vanished for about 10 years because of a rights issue. Yeah. The uh, The company that owned it, again, IRE owned the rights to the film, but the distributors uh, kept changing hands, and it just kind of got caught up in a nasty rights issue, which... I think was finally, uh, well, obviously it is resolved because the film is out on DVD now and has been for about five or six years. I think some of those, some of the boldest images ever photographed are on this film. Some of them, like that moon coming up around the building. That is mm. just an extraordinary time-lapse photography of the moon. That's just... Yeah, and while there's, there's no real, I mean, there's no special effects such as matte work. I mean, the special effects are pretty much high-speed and low-speed photography, um, but that shot of the moon does not look real. It, it absolutely does not. And a lot of it, does, it doesn't look real because you're not used to seeing the moon move like that. It's like the clouds. You know, the clouds look like they're liquid. He forces it, your attention there. You have to watch it. And all of a sudden you're looking at this moon like you've never really looked at it before. It's, it's, and in a lot of ways, the speeding up and slowing down of things, it kind of shows you how how – the the singularity of our world, you know, you, you, like I said, if you speed up the photography of the clouds, it looks like rushing water, you know, the, and then they show water and you can see the the combination of the two. It's like sort of know. proof of relativity of all things mm -hmm. that we all well, share yeah. these properties. Entropy is really, really the big title, the subtitle in this because everything's Entropy, falling yeah. apart. Yeah. yeah, and that that is that that, that is sort of the the, the follow through with Palkakatsi. Uh, which is more about third world countries, and Nakakatsi, which I believe translates as life as war. Mm. And it's like there is no reality. It's all technology now. And then in Nakakatsi, it gets more into computerization and things like uh, cloning and, and that kind of mishmash. We're talking about Koyanaskatsi, Life Out of Balance, a uh, just really 
groundbreaking film released in the early 80s, 1982. And a lot of this film really bears multiple uh, viewings. And I have to say, um, I, I had fun going back through and, and even slowing some of it down or speeding some of it, like playing even with their own play mm -hmm. on time. And I have to say, um, I found it very fun to just like uh, some of the people, like huge crowds of people gather at the base of the escalators waiting for an opportunity everybody sort of like this unspoken rules about you know just sort of j jockeying up to be you know the next without getting in anybody's way and you can just pick one person out of the mm -hmm. crowd and follow them it's, it's just a very interesting watch also the demolition of the buildings completely fascinating those controlled demolition where oh, the buildings fall into their own yes that is and that is, uh, that's one of my favorite parts also that that section the sections actually do have names there are sections in the film that have names and that part is called pruitt ego or igo i can't remember exactly but that was a a sort of a government-sponsored housing project that was built and it was a disaster it, it just did not work. And those buildings were maybe, I don't know if they were like 10, 12 years old, but they had been so destroyed that they just had to detonate them. So you see these these huge, beautiful, well, they're not beautiful, but these fairly young buildings just being, you know, imploded on themselves because they're worn out, because the people that lived there were not given any kind of guidance. They just kind of ran ramshot over them and destroyed the buildings. One of the movies that I like to think about when I think about this movie is Metropolis. Uh, ah. There's a lot of similarities in Metropolis They even with this do movie, that. They show the know? people moving in the, you mm -hmm. know, almost like a, a choreographed, an exaggerated sort of Yeah, the people on the, on the assembly line, like the automobile assembly line. It's so similar to the movement and, uh, and the tone and the, and the speed of Metropolis many times. You know, that's, I, I really end up thinking about these images together a lot when I'm, you know, thinking about this movie we should set it. metropolis to some philip glass music see if we'd have the same uh, <laughs> um, it would not be difficult to do and, and he's actually been doing that a lot he has been uh going back to some classic films and actually creating scores for them uh a notable one is dracula the the bella lugosi dracula he has done a score for because that film actually did not have a yeah. music score when it was released I can't decide how I feel about Philip Glass. I mean, I feel like, well, is that going to ruin that movie, or did he did he no, change it, it up? No, actually, I mean, without it, you, it couldn't exist. Man, Philip Glass is this movie. No, no, he's oh, saying of Dracula. The, of the Dracula. Yeah. Oh, uh, like no, he's going back and it adding. works for, with Dracula. It works really well because one of the problems with Dracula, why Dracula, to me, anyways, has not held up as well, is because of this sort of stodginess of it, and and the music really helps carry the film along. Um, we have uh, there, very few of these images were actually uh, accompanied by the sounds that would have made there, except until the end. Right. An interesting part of the movie, one of my actually favorite, and I always love listening to this thing, uh, over the end titles, they create an audio montage that is sort of the audio equivalent of what you've just seen. And it's, it's bits of natural sound. It is bits of broadcasts. It is just uh, phone conversations that are all kind of melded together and repeated and repeated. And um, we'll just listen to that for just a moment. If you listen, you will ca capture just some really, actually some frightening sounds of violence going on. Thank you. 
Sometimes I walk down the street and I think with all this cell phone action going on, that's what it must sound like if you could hear it all hodgepodge Going on together. together. Yeah, because there's so much stuff going on all around you all the time, you just don't even know it. Gentlemen, we are just about out of time. This uh, absolutely amazing movie, perfect in every way. To say that it creates the world, it is the world, <laughs> and certainly sustains it the whole time, and I do believe that people will be watching this. Even if our society changes so much, they'll be watching this as at least a time capsule. Well, there's a real good, particular... real good little section to watch when you're talking about comparison and scale. The microchip and the city grid. Oh yeah, the very cool the comparison in our scale of Beautiful. life. Very similar. You can't tell which is which. There's so much to see here. We'd like to know your favorite part of this movie or if you've had a chance to see it. And when you do, write to the Film Guys. It's filmguysatperfectmovie.net. And there's a lot there for your archived editions of our show. You can find them also at wyso.org and npr.org. We are going to wrap it up here. And we are working on an Ohio version of this. It's going to be called Hotsy Totsy Kotsy or <laughs> Life Out Around. Uh, stay tuned. Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. Gentlemen, until next time. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of... Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.